How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Blind. I'm your host, Chris Adams. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, um, Instagram, all that good stuff under BTBN. Um, That's the best place to keep up with all the giveaways and uh, all that type of stuff. We share pictures, put out new episodes, comment, who you guys want to hear, just all the normal nonsense. Um... If you're listening to us on iTunes, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thank you guys so much for all the shares, reviews. You know, it, it helps us grow. It um, The numbers have just been ridiculously uh, ridiculously surprising, man. It, uh, it just doubles every week. So it's been really excited to watch, exciting to watch this thing grow. But um, yeah. I'm glad that you guys are liking it. I get messages all the time and feedback all the time. So I'm glad you guys are liking it. Um, Jump on to the Facebook page. You can see that really cool green and black, gray swirl um, blank that I I turn into a call on. uh, I put a picture of it up there. and We're going to do that as the giveaway. And all you have to do is subscribe to the podcast um, and share that sucker. And if you want to tag four friends in there, I'll give you an additional entry. So uh, you can also do that. Um, so that way people can get stuff, man. I uh, The last duck call we, giveaway we had, somebody did all 26, 27 things to put their name in the hat versus the guys who just did one. They were able to share every episode, subscribe, all that type of stuff, and leave us a review. So you got 27 entries. Guess what? They won. They put the odds in their favor you can do that on this one by uh, tagging four friends. Give your give yourself a couple more chances to win that duck call. Um, if you want to get yourself a custom call by myself that has been reviewed as not bad by some of my closest friends, um, you can always reach out to me too. I am not the fastest guy at working through all my lists. Uh, between this podcast, life, kids, it... Um, I'm not the quickest, man. It's there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm pretty pretty busy every night, but I will get to you. And uh, so, if you want yourself a, a paperweight that looks pretty cool and is uh, not that bad, then feel free to hit me up. Uh, this week, I guess today, the start of the week, I have Teddy Hoover, who's going to be on. He uh, man, beast of a competition caller. I first heard him in a. In a goose calling competition in Ballard County, and uh, he's a good one, man. He the guys, what they can do on these freaking calls is insane. If you have not paid attention to competition calling other than Stuttgart, branch out and watch freaking Worlds out at Easton next year when it comes back, um, because these guys doing all these different type of competitions other than just Main Street are are phenomenal, man. It's it's really entertaining and fun to watch. So if you hear that age-old thing of, well, that's not what a duck or a goose does, well, then watch the live duck or the live goose and uh, or the meat competitions and hear what you would do and uh, how much better these guys are than everybody sitting back on their couch saying that they're good. So it, it's really awesome. Um, Teddy Hoover helps run the Easton competition. He's been doing that for the last, I don't know, four or five years now. He uh, organizes that whole competition. If you don't know what Easton is, it's Worlds, the World Waterfowl Calling Champions Championships. And uh, that is a huge undertaking, and he's done a great job with helping to grow that sucker. Um, so this will be an exciting one. Hopefully you guys uh, enjoy it. Without further ado, Mr. Teddy Hoover.
All right, man. How are you doing today, brother? Uh, you know, just another day. Another day. Doing well. How about yourself? Not too bad, man. It's uh I got lucky. My the only person who can pick up my kids on Mondays because the girlfriend is in uh college all day long today. So, I get to take Mondays off. So, it's an extra day of the weekend that no kids are here. The girlfriend's on Zoom meetings all day long in college. Uh-huh. So, I'm just out in the shop all day long. So, it's a uh, it's really like a slow start to the week and then Tuesday rolls around and it's my Monday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you're out in the shop, what are you doing? Are you turning calls out there? Yeah, yeah, I'm turning calls, brother. Well, I, you would say that I'm turning calls. I'm turning shapes that look like calls and vaguely sound like duck. Right, gotcha, yeah. I uh, I got that shop too, man, but I, I am scared to even start turning calls just because uh, I'm trying to work on my basic woodworking skills first. Bro, so the way that I started was I saw all these awesome calls back in 2014-15, and I am just a poor dad with young kids (laughs) and uh i was like i can't afford to keep buying custom calls while doing hunting while trying to mess around with tv shows and all this nonsense so i sold my entire collection that i had over the last two or three years before that been buying trading sold it all went out and bought a lathe bandsaw all that stuff and just started screwing stuff up for about a good two years to where mm-hmm. I'm finally to the point where I'm pretty damn comfortable with it, and uh, I love it to this point. But it was a it's a long road to get there, man. I didn't know anything. I had never even turned on a lathe before. Oh yeah, it's addicting, man. Building stuff from scratch. I, I'm I'm all about it. I really like doing that stuff. I'm not any good at it, but I like trying. Dude, you you'd be surprised, man. As long as you have the desire to do it, there's guys that. In a year time, a year's time, just put out ridiculous stuff. And you're a competition caller, so once you learn that freaking tone board and how to manipulate that sucker, dude, you're golden. Uh, yeah. I mean, I probably could, but man, John makes good enough calls for me. I'm good. I'd rather build a table or something like that. That Keep stuff the is, at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah, that stuff is really cool too, man. I uh, I wish I had a big enough wood shop for that. I'm gonna have John on tomorrow as well. Oh, you are John Taylor. Yeah. Really? That's awesome. Yeah, man. I try to follow it up with back-to-back guys because that always makes I hope it more. I've got enough memory cards for it. <laughs> Does he talk like that? Oh, he is a talker. That's perfect, man. It makes my job a lot easier. Yes. Yeah, it will. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So, what are you doing, man, during this uh, this crazy time? Has it affected work or anything? Uh, luckily, no. I, I'm you know I'm still working uh, every day. I work from home. Uh, that really hasn't changed much. I just can't travel as much as I want to. Uh, really, kind of get a little bit of stir crazy going on because I want to get out there and travel and meet people. But you know, still working. Um, now the contest calling is kind of taking a back seat a little bit. I have, uh, you know, tried to focus my efforts on golf and uh, try and not be terrible, maybe just kind of bad. <laughs> so you went from, I mean, you still do waterfowling. You're like the most expensive hobbies. You want to get into woodworking, golf. You're already a waterfowler. Yep. Like that's the most expensive extra hobbies you can have. 
Yeah, and don't forget turkey hunting right on top of that. Just started doing that recently, so that's awesome too. Yeah. Dude, that turkey hunting is a freaking blast, man. It's about the only thing that compares to waterfowling. Yeah, I don't even know if I could compare it to waterfowling. It's a whole separate deal. Uh, I I fell in love with it, and I just started turkey hunting like two years ago. The What I like about it is you guys hunt easterns up there. Yeah. Yeah, is the, the, call, the responsiveness of the call and working the birds. Like, that's what I find so enjoyable about it. Where I know there's some places... You know, when you get further out west, that they have no trees. They're out in the plains, and they'll have, like, one cluster of trees, and that's where 40 freaking turkeys roost at, and they all jump down, and it's kind of like, pick your poison. Where here in Missouri, and people that hunt the Easterns, man, you really have to work for them. Oh, yeah, you really gotta, you really gotta know what you're doing, or you really have to get lucky like I did. <laughs> Dude, they're, they're such a finicky bird too uh everybody swears that turkey is the smartest or are turkeys are the smartest birds yeah that sounds okay um but they're really not i think they're the most paranoid birds because i've freaking smoked a tom and had another one standing right next to him and look at his body his buddy flopping around on the ground and then i've also been in a field and seen wind blow one of their wings goofy and then they gobble and take off running yeah, it's it's uh, they're a little skittish, man. I like I said, I just started, so I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, last year, I'll just go ahead and admit it. I fell asleep at the bottom of a tree on my third hunt, <laughs> and so this year, uh, we, my buddy Seth and I, actually killed a turkey, and it was like and then I was hooked. And man, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just know that. When you call that turkey in, he's he's spitting and drumming and making all sorts of noise, and he's 10 yards. It was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. Dude, it's, they're so wild, and they're so loud. Did it feel like if they were gobbling and active, it feels like they're like at 20 yards, but they'll be still three or 400 yards away. Oh, yeah, and then you get three or four of them firing up, and your heart starts racing. I was shaking like a leaf. Dude, it's so much fun, and it, it's just, like you said, it's about the only thing that compares to me. I like rabbit hunting and stuff like that, working dogs on rabbits, but it's about the only thing that gives me the same adrenaline rush as, you know, a big a big flock of geese freaking locked up coming in. Mm-hmm. Yep, I will agree with that, 100%. So, being out there on the eastern shore, what are you, uh, what, I guess we should tell everybody where you're from. You're you're out there. Are you? Do you live in Easton, or you live south of Easton? I live uh, just outside Easton, so I can. I am about ten minutes from there. Got you. So, what's the uh, what's the turkey hunting situation up there like? Uh, well, you know, hunting over here on the eastern shore, everything is pretty much private. There's some public land, and you know, uh, public land around here apparently was was crazy because everybody had off so everybody went turkey hunting during the week and it was really busy and it was apparently a tough year but i'll say it again i have no idea what i'm talking about but from <laughs> what i hear uh you know we had a lot of cold cold days in the spring windy cold days and that didn't help the turkeys uh, the one day we had success was it was bright sunny and warm and um you know it's there's a lot of birds but when you have everything that's private and locked up with leases it's really hard to go and track them down and so you got to kind of get lucky again or know the right people who will let you go 
Yeah, man. No public land. That that makes it so freaking tough. And with well, we have public land, but it's just flooded with people. Yeah. And so it's almost it's almost hunting. It's almost dangerous to a point to go out there. Yeah, turkey hunting by far is the most dangerous. Um, I mean, there's some idiot deer hunters out there, but freaking turkey hunt. Aside from drunk people out there shooting dove, somebody always ends up shooting each other. But turkey hunting, man, people just shoot at bushes. Oh yeah, they'll just take pot shots, and um, you know that's. I I haven't really tried public land. Um, you know, kind of stuck to the private land deal just till I get my feet under me and know what I'm doing a little bit more. Well, that's good, man. I'm glad you got something going on. Um, because like you said, competition calling, man, is kind of taking a, a backseat this year. It's very very strange from an outsider's perspective. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's bad. It's not good. I can tell you that. Um. It's really a shame because, you know, it's something we look forward to, uh, competing against each other and seeing all the guys traveling across the country. I mean, you know the deal. You've traveled yourself. So it, it's something we look forward to, and it's just uh, not worth getting on an airplane and going out to a contest that may or may not happen right now. Yeah, that's wild. Have you heard anything about Rogers? I have not. I uh, have not heard anything one way or another. Um, I feel like they're gonna have to make their decision soon but yeah it's august isn't it yeah it's it should be the last weekend in july and then the first full weekend in august because they split it into two weekends but you know i i haven't heard anything man i can tell you with you guys being off this year if they have it in rogers it is gonna be freaking loaded if guys make that trip yeah yeah let's um I, I you know I hope they have a good year with with Easton not happening or you know or replacing it with not the world championship or because we haven't really decided what we're doing as a contest. But if we you know we're just worried about having the quality of the contest that we put on the past couple of years. Um, you know, as far as Rogers, man, they're a top notch contest for two weekends. I just wish it was when it, I just wish it was one weekend, four days. Long weekend, you know, where all the contests are run, and then it could be a really big party. But that's just me being selfish. I get what they're doing. Yeah, from a business perspective, it makes sense for them to have it over two weekends to have the big draw out there. But like you said, man, for the guys that come from all over the country, you know, because so many of you guys are great and multiple you know, guys that are top in the world of freaking goose are also in the top of the world of freaking duck. So having to travel from Maryland all the way out to Kansas City two weekends in a row is uh, it's a bit expensive. You better win. Yeah, both. you better win. There's both only one them. person know that I know that would do it, and uh, you know that's definitely not me. <laughs> Who do you think would do it? I don't. Uh, know. Tre- Trevor's done it a few times. Yeah, I don't know if he's gonna do it this year. Yeah. Uh, I have no. Well, we don't even know if there's a contest to travel to. So, mm. very valid, man. Are you still? Uh, I know for the last five or six years, you've been heading up the whole contest out at Worlds. Are you still? Are you still on the head of the board or whatever you guys are calling it? Uh, I am on. Well, we're all part of a team, so we don't make any decision individually. But uh, you know. I just happen to live in East and, and represent the contest to the festival. And so, um, you know, the the guys like Kelly Powers, Sean Mann, John Taylor, uh, I think 
Lawrence Malk, John Walzak, and I'm missing a few other ones, <laughs> along with my friends and family locally who volunteer for the contest, we all kind of get together and try and make decisions. So um, still heavily involved, but I'm starting to move towards the sportsman's tent and uh, the festival overall. So that's good, trying to grow a little bit of everything, get bigger and better every year is the goal. Yeah, man, you've done a freaking killer job with that thing. And it seems like every year it's just a little bit better, you know? And, and it really speaks to – I guys, especially, you know, like I don't know what all goes into putting on a competition like that. I think everybody – you'll hear guys complaining about different events and competitions, but I don't think they know what all goes into it. What was it like when you first jumped into that side of things? Man, well, luckily when, when I kind of started to volunteer um, – there, there was a guy by Daniel Bowen who was head of it, and he was just kind of showing me everything that was going on, and and then I would sit back and take notes and, and try and figure out, you know, the what I's needed to be dotted, what T's needed to be crossed, and, and from a caller's perspective, to jump in the driver's seat of a contest, I really recommend every caller try it at least once. Because you really don't know what goes on, and you don't get a full appreciation for somebody putting on a contest until you put one on yourself. You know, I look at Kyle Jones doing the online contest. Man, I've got to applaud him because he is tackling brand new territory. At least there was some type of blueprint when I took over. You know, it was it was kind of I had a vision of what the of the contest that I wanted and uh, the contest that we all wanted as a board to grow and where it could be and. Just started working towards that. I had a lot of help. Kyle is doing online contests by himself. I almost—I don't envy his position. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, man, he is really freaking taking that mantle of just being a great representative for the sport and doing things the right way, man. Like I, I've been super, like I, I followed it along, and he's been really good for it. And these online contests. Like you said, they're giving guys an outlet, and it, I feel like it's getting more guys into it because instead of going and looking like an idiot in front of 20 people, you're just throwing it up on Facebook. Yeah, you you know, and they're putting it in that competition caller group to where guys are supportive and helping them instead of, you know, some of the negative feedback that you could get from being at a competition. Yeah, I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that um, because I have been going to calling contests since 2007, and I can't tell you one time that I've ever received negative feedback at a calling contest. Well, I'm an idiot, and I'm not a competition caller. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just, uh, I don't want that stigma to get out there either. That you know calling in person now the online contests are great and I, I said to kyle myself i said man this is awesome this is you revolutionizing the new amateur or novice contests and that's what you're doing um you know because it gives a guy the first couple of steps their foot in the door if you will in the contest calling but there's one big thing that all of us contest callers have that the online contest can't provide and it's stage time you're not going to be able to get that stage time behind the phone hopefully it'll give you enough confidence to get on the stage but you got a long ways to go after that too you got a lot of dues to pay yeah and i think that's kind of more of what i meant when i first said um just not having to do it in front of 
20 people, you know, because there's nothing like stepping up on that stage, man. You know, I was talking to um, a different competition caller. He's a call maker, too, but he was talking about the first time he ever stepped up on stage and he blew his routine and he stopped halfway through his routine and went and threw up. And he was like, wow. that was my first competition. And I was like, dude, but you got back up there and you did it again. You know, like it takes a certain it takes a certain set of balls, man, to do it. There's no better phrase to, to put it up there. Yeah, it's you know, there's only one way to, to get used to it. And that's to get up there and do it, man. And, and honestly, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, John Taylor, uh, I met him at a calling contest in 2007 and he's one of my best friends. He, uh, you know, without competition calling, I wouldn't have met him and he wouldn't have married me and my wife this past October. Well, congrats, man. Yeah, he was the reverend in the wedding. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But, you know, like, that's that's the benefits of contest calling. Contest calling itself is, uh, it, it's, it's, it's hard. It's a hard sport to get, to get used to because even if you have one person or you know, 20 people or you're standing on stage at Easton and you can't see anything but the light shining in your eyes and you know that the auditorium's full of people looking at you, man, it's a huge adrenaline rush. Yeah, it's a, it's it's so cool, man. Just to, guys just don't understand. I think it's that popularity of the Duck Commander freaking era of, oh, I don't, st- I kill my judges. I don't need to get on stage. You know that type of mentality that so many of the uh, the younger generation they don't even give it a chance because that's the mindset that they've been told. And it's like if you watch this sucker and you start to understand it instead of just walking by the tent and looking at guys calling a competition, sit down and watch it, and then watch another one of the competitions and see what guys are doing. What like it's it's super fascinating, man. Yeah, it's so much. So many hours are put into those note for note routines um you know it's it's crazy and the the level of skill that it takes to to master that i mean i i don't consider myself you know on some of the levels like you know kyle or trevor they they have that natural ability to run the call where i have to like work hard at getting my routine note for note and even after i think it's done i'll sit there record it listen to it and I'm not happy with it. So then it starts the process all over again. Um, you know, it's it's fascinating, and you got to have a certain appreciation for the skill that goes into it. But, you know, if you're talking about younger generations, and, you know, when I was getting into it, I guess it was kind of, you know, Hunter Grounds won in 07. Uh, he won in 05, 07, 03. And I really, really wish I was there to watch 03 because he was the first person to win the world goose junior and senior in the same night. But that was kind of, kind of like the peaking of contest calling where there was 40, 50 people in each contest. Uh, then it started going downhill. I think that was the evolution that you're starting to see of companies getting away from contest callers and starting to go towards social media influencers. Is that a reason and that's that's a really good point because you see somebody with a hundred thousand freaking Instagram followers, they're gonna pick up a pro staff position, and I use pro staff with quote unquote um, because that's what everybody seems to shoot for these days. Um, 
instead of a guy who's who's been up on stage like that makes sense yeah it's 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 almost um you know they have 40 50 thousand facebook followers and to companies that's more valuable than a world champion it's a better bang for the buck for sure yeah it's just you know i'd like to see contest calling as an entire community band together and try to start challenging some of that and kyle is taking the first couple of steps in doing that i agree man like he has done a freaking the 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 online contest man have just like I said, I feel like it's capturing more guys who wouldn't necessarily be able to get over the nerves the first time or they've thought about it, maybe kicked the idea around their head, and they're just like, well, heck, I can do this to my phone. Let, let's do it to my phone and at least try this thing out. And maybe that gives them the confidence to try to step up on stage. And then if they screw up, they've already had feedback from other guys that have done it. And they're like, hey, I already know if I screw up, I'm not going to get torn apart in this thing. Somebody's going to help me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I judged that live goose uh, that Kyle put on. And um, I had about eight or ten guys message me for advice after the contest. And I'm still talking to two or three of them. Uh, talk to them pretty much every day, trying to help them and get better. And that's that's the goal, man. Because if you look at the past worlds, so I don't know if you know the history of Easton, but I've, I kind of love the history of that contest. And in 1976, it started. And then in the 80s, it would have almost 100 people in that contest because you didn't have to qualify to get into it. You just paid your $25 and went up there and blew your goose calls. Um, a lot, what I think is missing is the guys that would say, you know what, I don't think I'm good enough to make the third and final round, but I'd like to see if I make that first cut. We're missing those guys right now in, in contest calling because last year at the World Goose, we had 12 callers. But out of the 12 callers, any one of them could have won. So, you know, I just think we're missing that that next tier of callers who are trying to improve and get better, maybe not at the top of the game just yet. Yeah, that was something I was talking to uh, Hunter about a couple weeks ago. And... I was like, man, it seems like there's a lot less contests that everybody's going to, but the ones that they are going to, like Rogers, like Ballard, and, you know, like Worlds, are just freaking stacked. And it's yeah. like, it, if nothing else, if you have any interest, people that are listening to this, I'm not talking to you specifically, but people, if you have any interest in even thinking about blowing a routine and you're around the Midwest or the East Coast, go watch one of those competitions and see. Like, when it comes down to a freaking point, and there's five guys within two points of each other in the final round, like, watch, like, the, it's exciting, man. If you really pay attention and are watching what's going on, and you see a guy make a two-point swing in the last round, he just steps up there and freaking nails it. And you're like, holy crap, you know, things are about to get really interesting because it's a heck of a lot closer than it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's. And when you talk contests, you're judged between 70 to 80, 80 to 90, 90 to 100 points. A 30-point spread in three rounds, and one guy wins by one point, that's really anybody's contest at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Exactly, you're, man. You're doing one point per judge, five judges over three rounds. That's 15 different scores. I mean, that's that's anybody's contest. So it's, it, it's really... 
you know, you don't see anybody running away with contests anymore. You know what I mean? You don't see anybody winning by 15, 16 points. I remember when I was out at Rogers and I saw the novice goose win and the guy won by 28 points. You don't see that because everybody is at that level that anyone can win given their judges. If you have, you know, if you just have your day, but, uh, you know, we're trying to get more and more people into it and, you know, it's just going to take work and uh, we're out there to help. I mean, most I am anyways, I'm out there to help anybody who wants to get better on a goose call. Well, and that's, yeah, one thing about you, man, you've always been extremely approachable with all that type of stuff. And I think, man, that's what, it, it's such a, a tight-knit group, but everybody's so open to share. I think that's one of the facts, one of the things that I was most impressed with. I've been making calls for about five and a half years, and, you know, you used to hear stories of guys that made calls back in the day. They didn't want to share any kind of information because it was a competition. Well, nowadays, I can go ask, you know, a Brad Samples or, you know, a Will Shelley or anybody like that. These guys that are at the top of the game, custom call makers, and they're going to give me their honest feedback and ways to better myself. And I think that's like guys like you and, you know, Kyle and everybody that's going out there and that's helping guys, Seth Fields, and um, sharing information, man, and, and trying to help grow the sport versus looking at it as that killer mindset. Of course, you got to have the killer mindset when you're on stage. But the way that you guys approach it, man, is really – it reminds me so much of modern-day call making and the uh, the whole – trying to better the community. Like, you know, you have your guys at the very top, and then you, guys, you have your guys closer to the floor. If you can keep elevating the floor closer to the top, it's only better for everybody. Exactly. If I can make you a better goose caller on stage, that forces me to be a better goose caller on stage. So, you know, that's, you know, I made that mistake with Bobby Hunt. I, I, uh, Bobby came up to me after a Delaware contest three years ago and I started working with him and now he beats me in contests all the time. Yeah, that dude's a beast. I think I've seen him freaking finish runner up like four times. Yeah, and, and he's just he's just got some natural goose sounds. I hope he doesn't listen to this because I don't want it to go to his head. But <laughs> um, yeah, man, he's he's an all he's. It's just a matter a of time. Yeah, it's just a matter of time before he gets him another. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and it's but that, I mean that type of stuff motivates me to be a better caller on on you know and practice and get better and, and try and improve my routine and. You know, it, it's all about trying to make one another better because that's going to make yourself better. But uh, also, you know, you, you mentioned the community. Um, you know, as, as a contest organizer, <laughs> I see some, I see some contests almost competing against each other. Have you have you seen that, or my my? Oh, that? Uh, well, there have been times, and I talked with Michael uh, with Steiny about this a while back. That I've shot myself in the foot by giving my opinion, but from an outside perspective, as somebody who sits in the stands and is an idiot when it comes to competition calling, I would say yes. <laughs> yeah. So you see these contests compete against each other, and they compete for callers, and they compete for sponsors, and you know, it, it's really. I, it's not a conducive business model for contest calling if you want to continuously compete against each other. So I've been trying to formulate a plan for, you know, some of the contests to start working together and include the callers in that and try and, 
you know, almost come together as a body saying for not just the sponsors, but for the contest organizers, because I, I hate to hear when contest callers say, man, they just didn't have their stuff together at that contest. They didn't know this, that, and the other, because that, that's a reflection upon callers and people who have experience within that world. If you, you know, you, you got to give resources to people who want to start hosting some of these contests. And, uh, that's kind of one of our downfalls, I think, is people need, not people, but contest organizers also reach out to other contest organizers for help, and we should work together more. Is, I know, okay, so I, I like I said, I don't know that much about it. I know for Stuck Art, Main Street Duck Worlds, all that type of stuff, there's like certain rules that you have to have to be a sanctioned contest and like get approved is that something that you guys have like you don't have obviously to punch tickets to get to world goose or you know any of the competitions that are out there but is like is there some kind of committee that oversees what i guess without being a punch ticket i'm just spitballing i didn't totally didn't plan this out when i started talking sometimes that happens but uh (laughs) yeah i just kind of start rambling too (laughs) but you know what i mean like how it would help if there was a overseeing like hey you know this is how freaking calling contests should be run and there's you know everybody's kind of got their own standard rules and it's all generally close to the same but like you said there has to be some way to make it to where you know it's not competition versus each other different competitions everything should be kind of like a standard way of doing things it's like freaking watching racing you know the rules for racing are going to be the same every track you go to you know, <laughs> but. right? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's I, we've I've talked about it with with Steiny and, and with a bunch of other guys, just trying to figure out and wrap our brains around, you know, what type of resources we could provide to increase the amount of contests and availability to callers across the country, and, and you know. Is it coming down to maybe getting an overall sponsorship for the World Goose and then using that money to divvy out some prize money to other smaller contests? I mean, that's that's on the table. Like I said, I'm just kind of, you know, talking right now and not really thinking about it. But, no, you're you good, know, brother. That's the podcast format. <laughs> we just, you know, we, we want I want to try and figure that out because I feel like, you know, I just I just hate to hear that contests are run badly because i don't think it's a lack of effort because somebody is willing to take on the time and the effort to get the judges get the scorekeepers get the callers together get the mc um organize everything put a time talk to the host all of that i mean it takes money time and effort and if someone's willing to put that together we want to i want to try and help them as much as possible so we gotta you know i want to try and figure out who to talk to to get that going Man, it almost makes sense because guys, you know, you guys, obviously you have a very different perspective from running worlds, but almost, it seems like if a guy's going to put on a contest, they should consult some of the callers that are around them, you know, cause there's enough guys around, especially around this area, dude, Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Illinois, like it's loaded around here. I feel like you should have to consult, you know, some of the callers like, Hey, what do you think? And just have like a standard set of things. If because you know, say I live in Springfield, Missouri, we're the home of the biggest Bass Pro in the world. We don't have a competition here. Say I wanted to go to Bass Pro and say, hey man, we need a competition here. Like, 
It's Bass Pro. We need a competition. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but if I had a local guy close to me, you know, come over and start helping me arrange stuff, because like you said, there's a lot of stuff going on with vendors and all that crazy stuff that comes with putting on a festival that maybe they don't know what needs to go on with all the calling and competitions. Right. I mean, there's so much stuff going on that, you know, I've been, I, I, you know, I've been a part of the committee that's been putting on world since 2015. This year would have been our technically, I think it would have been my fifth or sixth year somewhere around there. But every year I can guarantee you something falls through the cracks, whether it's, you know, I forget that the MC needs instruction on doing the interviews afterwards, or I, the biggest thing that I forget that I seem to forget every year is that the final stage needs the light stick, and then we have to spend forty five <laughs> minutes trying to figure out the dimmer switch in the in the auditorium. Um, you know, that's it, there's always something that falls through the cracks, but I have a lot of experience being around the contest. If I think if I put myself in the shoes of a brand new contest organizer. They don't even know what's falling through the cracks, let alone, you know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly, so man. That's kind of where I, I was, you know, I want to work with some of the major players in the calling industry to try and help not only call contest callers, but contest organizers. Have you ever, and I'm sure I can hear other competition callers just freaking beating their steering wheel right now because I'm an idiot. Um have you guys ever thought of like a ticket system? I know that's completely against worlds, but if I feel like all these other little small contests around for Main Street Duck like drives more people to go out there and they're like, oh, I just got to punch my ticket. As long as I punch my ticket, that's where I've, I've hit the first tier. And then, you know, I want to make it to second round, third round. Have you guys ever considered anything like that or is that complete and total blasphemy? Oh no, that's uh, that's definitely been considered um, multiple times. But installing a installing a system where it's an open contest right now, and we got twelve callers competing in it last year, eighteen the year before, and nineteen the year before that. Um, you know, it, it's we've thought about it and tried to figure out a way to do it, but I. I, I don't know if that's the direction that we would want to go. Again, I'd have to talk to the committee, but just spitballing one of the ideas would be, um, you know, almost rewarding callers in addition to contest goose calling where it says and rewarding the contest for hosting the contest. Um, maybe something along the lines of, hey, if you host your state goose uh, and you have a winner from the state goose, will give them X number of dollars for their plane ticket to come out to Easton. You know what I mean? Or, or something along those lines where we're not going to, you know, we're, I'm still working through the details, but yeah, we've, we've thought about it, but we'd have to try it a different way. Yeah, I, I get it, man. It's just, like you said, just, just spitballing ideas and trying to think of, because, you know, like I said, it's something that's so cool and so the competition aspect of it and watching the different players and the different the just different people's approach to things and um it's so interesting and I think that you guys doing the live streaming for Worlds has made a huge difference and it brings more guys to it. It's just getting those guys from starting and doing the uh, the Facebook competitions to jumping into the game, and I feel like if there were more competitions that uh, 
you know, people were competing in and uh, growing it because that's that's the problem is if you go to, you know, a Ballard County or, you know, something like that, you're going up against the best guys in the world, multiple-time world champions. You know that freaking Robbie Iverson's probably going to clean house. And, you know, it's really tough to for these new guys that haven't done anything to be to be that motivated, that hungry. And I, hey, it's I mean I you know I uh, I like going up against Robbie and it's hard for me to get motivated because you know he's damn near unbeatable. I basically got to wait to see if he makes a mistake. You know, it's and for someone that is just brand new to contest calling, man, it, it, you you hear twelve guys over there just ripping on goose calls and be like, um, no, I, I'm going to keep my entry fee. I'll, I'll see you <laughs> next year. You know what I mean? I, I, I get it. I get it. But there's only one way to get started, and that's uh, take your losses. I mean, I, I started in 07. I didn't, I didn't place in a contest until 2009. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's like freaking – I was talking to uh, Mingo on one of these a long time ago, and he was entering his last contest – and he said if he didn't win it, it was like a, a state qualifier. If he didn't punch his ticket that year, he was going to quit contest calling. And that was the same year he finished second in freaking Stuttgart. And he went from not winning a competition to being the, the freaking runner-up of the world. And it's like, like you said, you have to take your lumps. You have to learn. Um, you have to grow. And being iron sharpens iron. And mm-hmm. I think guys... I don't know. When you jump up on stage and you go on your first round, it's your first competition ever, and you blow that 210, and you're watching a Shanahan put up a 229 or something like that, and you're like, well, <laughs> it's been real. Yeah. Because, like you said, you're going up just like Worlds. There's 12 guys this year, or this last year, and all 12 of them are the best of the freaking best. There's two or three points separating everybody at the end. That you, We need more guys that have been doing it for a year, two years, so you can compete. It's kind of like classes, man, where, hey, me and you started together at the same time. Yeah, we might be in last place this time, but I want to beat your butt. In three years from now, I might be in fourth place, but I want to make sure you're in fifth place. And that's how that progression happens. And we're losing that bottom end of newer guys, I think. Yeah, and so we've talked about that that class system almost where you would – but it would require a lot of participation from the contest callers and the and the contest organizers to provide that data. So then you could actually class out some of these some of these callers. Um, you know, like I think one of your top up and coming callers. Um, I don't know where he's from, but his name's Chad Olds. Uh, my man can run a goose call. And then you have um, Bronson out in California and Colby. Uh, Colby is. Um, there now, Bart Bronson's right on his heels. But these kids and Chad's not a kid, but I mean they're newer to calling, and you know they're they're making that step. They're putting their time in. They're going to get there. It's just a matter of time. But it's the guys that are just getting started. It's like if you go into a professional or a shooting event, you know where you're shooting clays. Um, you have different. You have a tiered class system, like an amateur uh, next step, and then the pros well, you know we've talked about trying to do that for contest calling somehow but that's an objectively judged sport this is subjective so we really it, it's there's a lot of things that are at play here yeah it's something man it just 
we have to get away from this the stupid mindset of that's not what a duck or goose call that's not what a duck or goose does. I kill my judges. That they have to get away from that and make freaking competition calling cool again. I remember being, you know, in high school back oh four oh five. And freaking Worlds was on the Outdoor Channel, you know? Uh-huh. It was cool. You're seeing all these yeah. guys of the freaking, you know, the best callers in the world, the best call makers in the world out there hanging out. And uh, I don't know, man. It, I think you guys are doing a great job with it. But it's a it's perplexing freaking problem that all the competition caller guys, especially guys that have been around for a long time, I always tend to ask them this question because it's something that as a standby guy, like, I want to see a good contest. Uh, you know, I'm not the guy out there competing. I I just want to see a good contest, and uh, I want it to keep going because it is part of the heritage of the sport. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the World Duck's been going on since was it 1931? Yeah, it, longer than it, I freaking any relative I've had's been around. Right. Exactly. I mean, the World Goose started um, actually in Illinois and came to Easton in 1976 and has been running consecutively, uh, except for this year. Um, you know, but it's it's part of the heritage. I mean, it's part of it's part of our sport, and it's a way to extend hunting season. Man, it, it's you get together, you, you talk hunting, you blow your goose calls, and then you have a good time. Usually afterwards. I mean, it, it's it's a really great scene to be involved with. Um, but just like anything, you know, you're not going to be best friends with the guys after. You're not going to be best friends with your baseball team after playing one game. You know what I mean? Like you gotta you gotta stick with it. You gotta show face, and you gotta be dedicated to it. Yeah, it's something you gotta you gotta put in the work, man. Is if I can relate it to call making, because that's the only thing I know anything about. You know, outside of uh, hunting, is you know, you see a new guy come along and he posts up his brand new barrel that he just turned for the first time and shoves the echo insert in there. It's like, cool, man. I'm glad you're interested in taking up the sport. This is where you need to go if you want to do it right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, hey, let me ask you a couple questions about call making. <laughs> so you've been so you've been making calls for five I think you said five and a half years? Yeah. Okay. Um first I you know completely ignorant but i'm not really a collector what's your call company name unstable calls unstable calls right on so have you ever entered a call making contest i have not and i had this year was the first year i was going to do nwtf and i had two calls made for it and i had two orders put in that week for the same type of call that i had and yeah i i I took the money (laughs) gotcha i i get it I mean, I see these call-making contests popping up left and right, and, you know, we have one here in, in Easton that stump runs, and, um, man, it, it's it's a lot of work, and, and I, you know, but it's a lot of fun, and I think that call-making is an artistic expression, 100%. And, um, you know, my question was, so as a new call-maker, if you were going to enter in, what stopped you from entering into NWTF last year? Um, last year I wasn't making calls. Um, I took a year off and the year before that, it was more of if I entered it, 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 I I guess it's the same thing as anybody stepping on stage the first time. You don't want to look like a complete idiot your first time. You know, I wanted to go out there and prove myself, you know, so I was going to enter your guys' competition out this year. 
But um, I don't know, man. It's it's definitely. I think more guys need to enter it. But I would say, from a personal standpoint, it's. I'm so meticulous. It's. I do everything from a flat jig. So when you, when you're gonna make a tone board, you know you have your curve on it, your reed, all that good stuff. I get a flat jig to give myself a nice clean workspace. And most guys will have their self a custom jig within, you know, five, six months of turning for the first time, making their tone boards. I've run a flat jig for four years because every time that I have one, then I'm like, this thing is freaking dynamite. I love this call. I'm putting it back. I'm going to go send this thing off to get it jigged. And then I'll keep making calls, keep making calls. And then I'll go pick it up and run it and be like, I really like this thing, but I think now... I could do it a little bit better. So it's uh-huh. it's almost that um, it costs more money to make 10 jigs. I think it's about 350 400 bucks to get a custom jig made. I don't want to be the guy that has $10,000 in custom jigs in like three or four years. <laughs> so yeah. I, I would say that's my biggest problem. But, man, I, I was going to bring up your guys' call-making competition and stump running it. That's one guy I would love to have on this podcast, but I don't think he would ever do anything like this. Um, but I've been surprised by a few guys in the past that have said yes. But, uh, dude, it, it was really cool to watch. And the way that you guys ran it, just being a little bit different than everybody else. Yeah, so we were, I mean, you know, we've kind of been talking about that. and You know, basically at the end of, the, end of every waterfowl festival, we always try to sit back and reflect and see what went wrong, what went right, and what can we do better. Right. And so we've just been kind of playing with it. And, um, you know, a different call maker's opinion who's, who hasn't entered a call making contest would kind of be what I'm looking for. So, you know, I just, you see the call makers like Rusty, Rusty Heron makes a hell of a goose call. And Ernie Ross makes beautiful artwork. I've never had the chance to blow his call, but I mean, they're beautiful. Um, but what I'm, what I'm getting at is with these call makers, when you enter a competition, do you think that it's a, do you think that let's say you do well, would it benefit your business or is it more for personal, I don't want to say ego, but I don't really know another word for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Why, why are you entering in these contests? Well, then I can format a contest to answer your why. So I've never entered one. So my perspective is definitely from the outside. Um, I can say that if you win a competition, you're definitely going to help your business model. People are like, hey, man, this guy, you know, he placed second, third, first against a bunch of the best guys in the business that I already have this guy's call. And this guy beat him this year. So I know his calls are up to snuff. So that definitely helps your business. I'll take, okay, so at NWTF this year, one of my really, really good buddies is Channing Korea, and he makes duck calls custom duck calls he's been doing it for a couple years super super nice guy funny funny guy but he and rusty had a bet going on for nwtf and michael meredith and uh will shelley and a bunch of guys were involved in this thing rusty self-proclaimed is not a duck call maker he doesn't he can run a duck call but he has no interest in making a duck call it's the, I was about to say, don't let him fool you. He can blow a duck off. Yeah, exactly. He can run one, but he doesn't want to make one. And that's the same. I like running a goose call. I love hunting honkers. That's my favorite hunting. I have no interest in making a honker call. Um, but Channing makes duck calls, and all these other guys that I'm talking about are freaking great duck call makers. 
Well, Rusty said, you guys make a goose call, throw it in NWTF, and I'll make a duck call. Whoever places higher is the winner. They're going to do some kind of bet, you know, humiliation bet, but all in good nature. And freaking Channing Korea never made a goose call in his life. Calls them we I've done like three podcasts with him. He's I talk to him all the time. He calls them freaking Canadian geese, if that means anything to you. Like he's not a goose hunter. He is in South Texas and Houston. He does not hunt honkers. He's seen honkers at the park. That's it. He makes his very first goose call and wins freaking NWTF call maker of the year. Best in show. Wow. Well I guess Rusty didn't beat him with his duck call. Oh, I don't know what ended up happening with that, but it was it was amazing. And Channing messaged me. You know, we were talking about it back and forth because it, it's just you have to just laugh sometimes. And I'm like, well, obviously you know what it takes to make a call run, even if you're not the best freaking caller in the world. You don't really even know what they're called, but uh, you know you know what it takes to make back pressure and all that stuff happen. And he's like, I'm not going to sell any of these things, man. I don't, I, I don't think I should be selling any of them. I was like, you're the world champion right now. If you don't figure, you, if you don't put in the man hours and figure this thing the hell out, you're missing a huge opportunity to freaking move some calls. So he started right. doing some custom work on them. But I was like, I, I don't think you should go out there and open up a call company, try to be the next Fred Zink or Kelly Powers or anything like that. But uh, if you don't try to sell some goose calls, you're a fool. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's just, you know, I I want to see what call makers are looking for as far as in their contest because we have contest callers judge all the call makers, right? Right. We think, um, okay, so let's put the highest quality of judges, the ones that can run the calls the best, behind the calls and determine that. And, you know, we were just playing with some options, and I, I thought that that was a good idea. Um, but I didn't know necessarily if that's a valued asset to our contest. Whereas would it prevent other call makers from entering our contest if we didn't have such high quality judges, because it's, it's a big ask for me to say, you know, Hey Seth, Seth Fields, why don't you fly out to Easton early? Why don't you blow 80 duck calls before the world live duck? (laughs) Right. And And that's, that's another thing that Seth, when he was out there last year doing it, he was live streaming, mm-hmm. and that was the best single. Like I watched his whole video of going through different guys' videos, and he'll jump on there, blow it a couple times, you know, pick up how much back pressure, all this different type of stuff. Because you know every call runs different, and uh, he was running it. And I was like, damn, dude, that thing is a straight killer. And he'd be like, yeah, I give this thing, you know, a 7 or 8 on this scale. And he's like, I wish it had a little bit more of this. And as a call maker, I'm sitting there, I'm like, dude, that thing sounded fucking phenomenal. You know, with Seth Fields running it. And then he would manipulate his air to hit that one little section that he was talking about. And I was like, okay, now I get it. So that aspect of it was very, very cool. And if it was my call that he was running, and he's given me that extremely valuable feedback... Because I think when you get the scorecard back, you're like, ah, judge number one thought that it was a little bit loose on the bottom end or a little bit tight on the top end or something like that. It's hard to imagine, but when you've seen the video and him hit it specifically, that, as a call maker, I found it very, very interesting and very, very valuable. Even if you didn't walk away with a medal, you're getting thousands of dollars worth of advice of how to fix 
your tone board and make it that much better. Okay, so that's exactly what I was looking for. Perfect. I was wondering what kind of, you know, because I know that having the top callers in the country come and try all of those calls um, has to provide some sort of good feedback. But if it's not the notes and you're saying it's the video that provided more or better feedback, like a live judging of it, then, you know, that would kind of that kind of changes my thought process a little bit. Well, and that's and that's just my opinion from seeing it. I thought it was very very cool. Um I you know, damn, it, I had a really good thought that I was going to put in there. Also, yeah. Okay, the way that different guys run calls. Because I was at a CWA and I was live streaming it and you had Will Shelley and Michael Meredith, both very very good call custom call makers, top of the world call makers. And they were sitting next to each other at a table. And they were picking up different guys' calls. And Will would jump on it and rip on it a few times, you know, run it through its cadence. And then Michael would jump on it and run it through its cadence. And where Will would pick one up and be like, man, you know, I'm just not, this thing doesn't fit me as well. Um, You know, the way that, because, you know, obviously the more you blow calls, the stronger your diaphragm gets, all that type of stuff. I set my calls up to run stiff because I like to punch air through. Um, but it doesn't always fit. I'll have guys send it back to me, me to loosen it up a little bit. You know, even though I'll usually, if guys like it like that, I'll tune it a little bit light. But um, that usually seems to fit them. But then he'd pass it off to Michael, and Michael would be like, dude, this thing runs perfect. It fits me like a dime. So I can definitely see where that is tough too, because different guys, the way that different guys present air can become tough. And then. If you have 10 to 12 guys running that thing for two or three minutes, if it fills up with spit or anything like that, too, it's 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 such a tricky thing, man. Um, yeah. Guys, I think that's a number one thing is people have to remember is guys like you who are trying to figure out and stump and all the judges that are giving up their time to do stuff, they're trying to figure out the best way to make everybody happy, but... You know, if you're not taking the call out of the box for the first time and running it, the next guy who picks it up is already running a different call because that cork might be a little bit wet. It's already got more play in it. So it, it's mm-hmm. a tough thing, man. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, it's tough because, you know, you want to make it as fair, firm, and impartial, to quote John Taylor, as possible. I mean, that's our overall goal, is to make it as fair, firm, and impartial for every call maker to enter that contest. But there's just so many variables that we can't control, whether it's spit into the call, the time frame on which it's judged, even it comes down to the humidity inside the auditorium. You know, there's so many things that we can't control. We just try to, like I said, make it as fair, firm, and impartial for everyone across the board to get everyone their fair shake. And short of starting the judging on, you know, October 15th and having everybody judge once and then letting it set for two days and then come back and judge again, you know, that's... That's, that's crazy. Not, yeah, that's not conducive. But you know what I mean. Like, uh, we're, I was just seeing what your thoughts and opinions are on the call making contest because I think it's. I, I don't. I don't want to see it decline because it, it shows off the artwork of call making. And so, for those that haven't been to Easton, we have a company called Guyet and Dieter here, and Guyet and Dieter specialize in historical decoy carvings um, that are 
some of them are valued over a million dollars. Most of them are in the 500,000 range. And there are some historical duck calls from the 1930s that sell for $250,000. You know, that's kind of the, the idea of where the con the call maker contest, that's where I want to get to is, you know, some of these calls that are, that are being made are, are no longer considered duck calls, but they're works of art. And I know there's a decorative class, but let's keep it real. It's a duck call and a goose call. It's got to operate first. You know what I mean? And then it can look pretty on the outside, but the main objective is if it operates and then turns into that work of art, that's kind of where we're trying to get this contest to reward, if you know what I mean. You know, because you, you play with that, it, it goes back to the same thing with calling contests on why the live goose was invented and all of that stuff. Yeah, man. It's um, it's definitely, they're definitely works of art. And if you would have had the call making competition this year with COVID and everything happening, guys that are just making hunting calls are putting ridiculous stuff in their calls. I've seen freaking builds that just make my head spin with the complication and how tedious everybody and their brother has picked up freaking checkering which is awesome it is a 1920s 30s you know that classic style guys are making hunting calls and putting checkering on them again and it's like holy crap everybody's game call making is very very exciting right now because with everybody being stuck at home guys are taking risk and uh, guys that you you know, there's so many new ones trying it, and there's it's it's deeper than it's been since I've been paying attention to it in the last six or seven years, and uh, it's it's really good, man. It's it's gonna be fun when you guys get it going again, and uh, I don't envy the place. I don't envy your place of trying to make it as fair as impartial as possible because no matter how much thought, energy, whatever you put into it, there's always going to be somebody to complain about something. And it's like, dude, we're trying. <laughs> we're trying. Yeah. I, give me your feedback. How do you think I should have done this different? Oh, well, my usual go-to is, well, would you like to volunteer? Yeah. You know, like would you like to help out with the contest? Because I mean, a lot of times people who are complaining have valid points. They're not out there just to complain to complain. Uh, some of them are, and I understand that you know some of those comments are just complaining to complain. But a lot of them have valid points, and so maybe if they have a valid point about complaining, they could have a possible solution. And to me, you know, all the call makers are resources because I'm not a call maker. I just do this because I believe in the skill that it takes to build a call. Um, you know, as as a committee, we, we value the tradition that is call making. So we want to showcase the skill and talent that it takes to make a top-notch duck or goose call. But, you know, it, like I said, you're not going to please everybody. But if you could cut down on the number of complaints, you know, that's that's always a positive my goal was always for the contest was let's just have less people complain about it this year than they did last year you know (laughs) exactly well it's that that adage of hey i have a complaint about this cool don't come to you know it's the way it was in the military don't come to me with complaint come to me with the solution 
Correct. So if yes. you're going to complain about something, tell me how I can make it better. And I'll talk to you. You know, it might be something I implement. It might be a reason. There might be a reason why I didn't do it this way. And, you know, from your perspective, hey, maybe you didn't think about this way. And this is why we don't do it like that. Right. I, you know, there's there's so many things. But, you know, I don't know what I don't know. And so I appreciate constructive criticism. I'm, I value it. You know, we, we all do. And if you don't, then you're kind of silly if you don't appreciate constructive uh, constructive criticism but you know there's only one way to get better and that's to know what you're doing wrong so same with contest calling you're not going to win a contest if somebody doesn't tell you what you're doing wrong in, a, in the routine well exactly uh, Hunter was talking about we were talking about him with his dad and he's like I never once got off stage and my dad told me I ran a perfect routine he's like it didn't matter what I did he always told me where I could get a little bit better at Oh, you wait till you talk to John Taylor tomorrow. He's going to tell you the best judge for a contest routine is going to be yourself. And, um, you know, there is no such thing as a perfect routine because you can always improve and get better. And, and you know, but uh, you really don't want to get into the opinions that uh, that he has about, you know, or any, that I have about contest calling too deeply on specific reasons because he pretty much taught me everything I know. <laughs> what has that been like being somewhere where you have a great you know instructionalist that i don't think that's a freaking word but a, a great a great mentor to learn from because i think that's you know what really separates the oh, guy that's man. trying to learn in the garage it it really does um it, it's it's been uh invaluable you know, I, I can't really put into words how valuable John Taylor has been to my goose calling, uh, not even my goose calling, you know, hunting in general. Um, and he's he's taught you things and showed me ways to look at contest calling that I never would have thought of on my own. I'm trying to think of like a specific example. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's been doing it since 1989. And you know, um, God, man, so many quotes because I just hear him say it over and over again so I can repeat it word for word, but I'm trying not to um, <laughs> <laughs> because you're going to talk to him tomorrow. So then I'll get to hear, you'll get to hear everything of what I'm going to say. But yeah, so having John Taylor, even let's just say take John out of it, having a mentor or somebody to help you along and show you the ways and, you know, breaking down the contest routine, not by section, but by second, you know, this is, you know, at, at 10 to 15 seconds, this is how to watch a contest as a competitor. Um, you know, how to listen to a contest routine and pick up the intricacies that it takes to operate the call in a certain way and develop different air presentation into how to make certain notes sound a little bit cleaner versus a little bit, you know, the, even the different styles. When I started goose calling, I had no idea there was multiple styles of goose calling. You know, and he showed me the Midwest versus the West versus the East Coast and try to incorporate all, you know, a little bit of, he'll, I guarantee you he'll say, you know, you want a little bit of everything, but not too much of one thing in your contest routine. He's definitely going to say that tomorrow. <laughs> um, and he's going to say, as me and uh, the team, so, you know, all of us are really good friends at Blow Bay Country Calls, we 
you know, me, Lee Williams, Seth, Bobby, uh, John Walls, you know, we, we all hear the same thing, and it's good goose is the cream that consistently rises to the top. He will say that probably ten times tomorrow. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll make sure that he doesn't listen to this one until after his episode. And we yeah. Can <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, but I mean, just, just to answer your question, man, having a mentor and having someone try to show you the ways and break down the basics of contest calling from from a contest routine like uh i remember a few years ago and i even think it's still on that competition page where where nick johnson breaks down a main street duck routine online yes. so that video is is awesome but there's no video like that for a contest goose routine per se i think scott did stage grammar um but i, I don't know if he broke down i think he did break down but you know it's all in different people's opinions. And so I live an hour north of him. I can go down to his pole barn and we could practice for three hours. It's, man, if, you, if you're trying to break into goose calling and you don't have a mentor, you find one. I recommend Kyle Jones. He's pretty good. Yeah, dude. Kyle, when I went and watched you guys at that first competition, I talked about it with, um, I don't freaking know. Dude, I do too many of these things a week. I don't remember who I was talking to. But um, you had you, freaking Hunter, Trevor, when he was in the freaking middle of his pretty crazy run. And it was like there were a bunch of guys, you know, like you said, 12, 15 guys that anybody could win that thing. And everybody stepped up and knocked out extremely technical routine. And you're just like, all right, that sounds freaking great. And then Kyle came up, and I think he placed fourth or fifth at that competition. I don't want to say that it, what he did because I don't remember exactly the number. But he came up, and I was like, he just sounds different. And I was like, I dig it. And he came up and introduced himself after the competition. I was like, dude, I really like your style. I'm ignorant to this whole thing. And I can just tell that it's slightly different. And I was like, I think you're going to be, I think you're the guy, the next guy who's on his way. And like I said, I don't know shit. I don't know anything. I'm an idiot to this whole thing. But I just really like the way that you're doing. And of course, now he's won two freaking titles since. So it makes sense. But it was just different, man. And uh, Oh, yeah. Trevor hit on that different sound. And Trevor finally put together something that he had been working on for years. And he got it clean. And and now, I, I mean, honestly, when Trevor... When Trevor blows what he does and what he can do to the best of his ability, I don't think he can be beat. Um, I, I mean, it's just flow, transition, power, volume, you know, everything. Uh, Kyle is right there, too. Kyle can do, I mean, let's be honest, anybody on that stage, the final round, or even starting the contest from last year, we can all do all the individual notes, you know, that's not a problem being able to do them, but it comes down to putting them together for goose calling to make it sound good and make it sound like a musical flow to it. And flow and transition is going to make or break a contest routine. And, um, that's what Hunter was saying. He's like, I'm not worried about going up there and throwing out all the big notes. He's like, I put 90% of my focus into the transitions. Yeah. That's Hunter was the best at it. He was the one that started it in 2005. 
I just remember some of the transitions that he had going from his fast stuff to his low stuff right after his comeback call was incredible. I mean, it made you think, wow, how did he do that? And then, you know, you get to a point where, okay, so he did, you break it down and watch it over and over and over and over again. I mean, you know, you can get to that point. But by that time, Hunter or whoever has moved on to something else. And so you're, you know, you've got to kind of, you know, flow and transition as a goose calling routine. He's right, is number one. And then it breaks, it goes down to basically judge's opinion, whether they, you know, what they're looking for. For me as a judge, um, you know, I I judge call tone and the ability to actually sound like the most realistic goose as a high indicator. If your call sounds good and sounds like a goose, but you don't have the technical stuff in there, you know, but you're clean and you sound goosey versus someone who is a little bit muddled in their fast stuff but has the you know the, the trains and the triples and the buzz clucks and this that and the other in there I'm gonna tend to but their calls higher pitched I'm gonna tend to side with the guy that may have blown a simpler routine but sounded like a goose because at the end of the day it's a goose calling contest so yeah you're you trying know. to sound like a honker not like not like a hundred rounds yeah you're not yeah you can definitely tell the guys that have listened to contest callers over and over again and get to the point where they're trying to sound like somebody else versus sound like geese man yeah it's crazy dude it, uh it's it's entertaining dude like people like i said i'm so glad that you guys are live streaming it and sharing that type of thing and i still think there needs to be more competition live streaming i'm glad when i got out of it that more people took up that mantle and it seems like a lot more competitions are doing it on their own now because that's what gets people involved this is you know i'm the same way hey i could drive to kansas city and watch this in person because i personally enjoy it but if i didn't want to make 300 mile drive i could just pull up my phone and watch this thing like that's cool because people can get involved with it from the house and be like i could do that and then go out there and try Absolutely. It's good for the sponsors. It's good for the callers. It's good for the contest. You know, it's it's great. It's just not free. <laughs> you know no, what I mean? It is not it, free. That's why. It's One expensive. of the biggest reasons I got out of it. Yeah, it's expensive. and uh, But it's valuable. And the best thing is it's recorded so the contest callers can go back and listen to it again. And, and that's kind of neat. You know, I was watching my world goose routine before we got on the phone about two hours before. (laughs) Dude, it's it's the way of the future, and I think it's the right move. And what you guys are doing out there, dude, is like you're saying the the in the the thought process, the insight, the taking in the information. You're 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 a competition caller, so you already know. You know, you and your buddies in the committee know how to keep moving this thing forward and thinking about things and making it a little bit better every year and then talking to the call makers and making it a little bit better every year. That's the type of insight that it ha- if they want the tradition of the competitions to stay alive, that has to be put into it. So I'm glad that you guys are doing a great job with that, man. Yeah, and, and you, say, you, you speak about tradition. You know, the contests themselves – can't forget that tradition you know what i mean so i'm sure you've had guys on on the podcast talk about three and out rule and this that and the other and it and you know while golfer or nascar or whoever doesn't have a three and out rule well i i mean i get it but 
I tell you, Outwell's been in since 1979, man. I can't really say, say, uh, well, we're going to get rid of it because it's part of the tradition of the contest. And that's the biggest thing that I really like about Easton because I've got Sean Mann on the board, and he won, if I'm correct, in 1986. I can talk to Dave Coleman, who won in 1982, and, you know, just listen to how it was back in the day where it was – you know, Easton was nobody really traveled to that contest outside of say Tim Grounds and maybe a couple others like Alfie Lanham and a few because it was the guides from around the eastern shore would show up and covered in blood and their parties would be there. <laughs> so, hey, Bob, you know, let's just jump on stage, see how I do, and then Tim Kobe goes out and wins the first three in a row. You know, it was on a on a long read goose call. Then the tube calls came in. Then we had a mouth caller from North Carolina. Yeah, what was oh, that, 84? Yeah, a woman mouth caller from North Carolina placed second. That's crazy. I mean, some of that stuff, you just can't you can't make that up. And, um, you know, it's just, once you get into this contest, Colin, I, I kind of got, I kind of became a little nerd about it. That's the best thing about John Taylor, right? He has videotaped every contest since 1989. And so, like, some people, if you ask me, who's your favorite goose caller of all time? Versus who's the best goose caller of all time? That's a that's a tough question to answer. My favorite, uh man, it'd probably be Jerry Haggard, and he never won. But um, you know, one of the best ones I ever heard was probably be Mitch Hughes or Kevin Popo. Then the you know the best that uh, the best that ever called. I mean, you can't argue with Hunter Grounds, but I'd I'd put Robbie or Trevor up against him any doubt well you know? speaking of that hunter was telling me this year was the champion of champions and he's oh, man. he's what got a it a year. few times Cancel. come up short a few times mm. are you guys going to do it next year instead oh yeah if we don't have it this year then we're definitely going to have it next year um 100 we're not just going to skip it and wait five more years absolutely <laughs> not no because you've got you know robbie's out of it wade's out of it but you've got Hunter Grounds, Kyle, Field, Mitch, Trevor. Um, you know, Dave Coleman said he's going to call in it. There's a lot of big names that are going to be calling in that contest. And uh, it's, the possibility of that Champion of Champions could be a really, really neat contest. That's something that is so cool. And, um, you know, one of the reasons, like, Rogers and then uh, Burlington – where, like, Burlington, I get excited because it's Robbie against Trevor. You know, right. a lot of times. And you'll have other people show up, of course. And well, is it, though? Do what? Is it, though? Or is it Robbie and then everyone else? Well, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's the guys that are retired from Worlds. And you're like, dude, I want to watch, you know, Hunter go up against Robbie. Well, I know I'm not going to get it at Easton unless it's champion of champions. And, you know, if this guy's retired, you know, just given anybody that's been retired. I, sh- you guys should do another one. And like I said, it's probably blasphemy. I'm probably sounding like an idiot right now. But another one where guys are, I don't know, maybe like an open for retired guys that, you know, it's just for funsies because so they can compete against each other. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've definitely uh, talked about it having an open for everyone um you know uh we've we've talked about having a senior contest or you know a contest for retired callers um 
it's definitely in the works. It just might not be the highest priority. Um, I think if anything that we add to the contest lineup, probably be the champion of champions for the live duck first and then the live goose. Um, I'd love to see Trevor versus Kent versus, um, you know, Mitch Field and, and all the other guys who have won in the past, uh, you know, compete all on one stage again. That would be kind of cool. Because, I mean, Corey's, Corey won last year that lived up, and there's absolutely no reason why he can't repeat. So, oh, yeah. Um, you know, it would be... It would be neat to put that together. Um, and we started that contest in 2003. It was called the Mason Dixon Live Duck. And John Taylor won it. And then changed it to the World Live Duck in 2004 when Field won it. So it would be technically 20 years in 2023. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can get that going then. And then the Live Goose, I think, started in 06. So, so yeah, dude, th- that that would be cool. Even if it was like you said, just a, a ceremonial thing where it was the twenty year anniversaries of them. I think that'd be freaking cool from a from an outside perspective. And I know you guys would think it was cool that are involved in it. Oh yeah, it would. You know, like I said, I'm kind of a calling contest nerd, so you know, it, it would be it would be really neat to see some of that. I, I'd be i I'd be excited to see that live goose this year because. With the fad that's coming off of, with the fad from tube calling, and you see more and more people blowing tube calls online, man, it, it's that would be really neat. I'd like to see how many tube calls were in that contest. Yeah. But I'm sorry to all the tube callers out there. You are great. You sound good. But you're not Dave Coleman. <laughs> well, nobody's been a Dave Coleman. Right. Nobody will ever be. Albie Kimball was the closest, and, and he's, or still is. And, um, you know, he's like, he's just not Dave. Oh, man. I just I just remember listening to him live in that auditorium because, yeah, you see the videos online, but nothing, it doesn't do it justice. The auditorium itself and the way the calls resonate in there, and it's just, it adds to the allure of blowing on that stage. And man, when he got up there and blew that live goose, I, literally, my hairs on the back of my neck are standing up thinking about it now. <laughs> Dude, it, it yeah, what they can do, and I want to hear another one of these freaking mouth callers that gets to that level. I don't know if you'll if it'll happen again, but that's just so. It's for all the technology that's out there for somebody to go out there and freaking do that. Like it's, I can't even imagine it. Yeah, it's it's neat, man. I. Mm. You know, it, it would be cool. I, I just would. I'd really like to see the champion of champions for the live goose and the uh, live and the live duck, and get to hear some of these guys actually sound like ducks. Because you know, you you hear the meat contests and and you hear the main street and main street's very structured. Um, you know, you, everyone's singing the same song. It's just who's singing it the best. And. Meat duck is kind of the same way, just not ringing the duck call. You know, um, live duck is you go out there and do your best rendition of a hen out, and that's kind of what I like about that contest. That's just personal opinion, though. No, no, I agree, and I think that captures a lot of the guys that are like, "Oh, a duck doesn't sound like that." 
Yeah, or I kill the I kill my judges guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're going well, out there and you're showcasing the best guys that sounding like ducks, like it's like, all right, what do you guys have now? What's the next the next excuse you're gonna give? Yeah, I, I mean, I, me personally, I wouldn't want to be in a field next to a live duck champion. No, I wouldn't want to be in a field next to a freaking Main Street champion because I know that they can run a damn duck call as well. Right, exactly. <laughs> but you know. Hey, I just, uh, man, Corey sounded awesome, and um, he was he was great. Um, I, I love Corey to death, but man, if Bobby won that contest, whew, that would have been really funny. There would have been a lot of beer consumed that night. <laughs> well, brother, I'm going to go ahead and uh, put the kids to get the kids ready for a shower in bed, but I really appreciate you Give me some time, man. Give me some insight. I like I said, I don't think a lot of people realize what all goes into this thing, and you have a very unique perspective as both competitor and a guy trying to organize and keep everything from going crazy. Yeah, it's it's tough. You can ask uh, you can ask my friends and family because most of my volunteers are my family, and they they don't really have a choice. But um, you know, that weekend is a little stressful. Um, <laughs> so, but I do it because you know we. I love contest calling and I just, I love that contest. I've been volunteering for the festival since I was 12 years old. So I got to make it the best it can be and get it on that national stage. I'll tell you what, Chris, you gotta, you gotta come out here, man. I know. I know, man. I, I, especially used to living out there, like, you know, in Virginia beach, I, I have to get back over that side of the country, man. Yeah, and bring the wife and kids because it's not just uh, it's not just you know a sportsman's thing. There's there's a whole side of the festival for kids. There's a whole side of the festival for um, the wives to run up your credit card bill, and you know <laughs> it's a, all sorts of things. It's really it's really great. I mean, I keep hearing it. I keep hearing it where if someone comes out here for the first time, they're usually going to come back every year. Dude, I want to. Hopefully 2021, man. Yeah, besides, you got to get some of the best cream of crab in the world. I'll put it up against anybody. <laughs> I'll take you up on it, man. All right. Well, hey, I'd love to do this again. If you have any, you know, if you want to do it again, just let me know. I'm always available. And if anybody wants help on Goose Calling, just give me a shout. Yeah, brother. We'll definitely do it again and uh, maybe get into some of your own personal competition calling since we, uh, we didn't get too much into it. But, uh, Definitely, because you're a very accomplished competition caller yourself, brother. And uh, guys who don't know, should just send this send this man a big thank you because he helps keep everything and everybody that organizes this thing, you know, from call makers to volunteers, um, just behind the curtain of what goes on and how much work it takes. So a big thank you from us, brother. Twelve year, twelve month a year job, man. It's uh, but it's worth it. No problem. Thank you, thank you guys for supporting the contest and. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. I completely forgot we're recording a podcast, but you know, um, man, it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. Well, I hope you have a, a great night, and uh, yeah, man, it's been a great time, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Take care. See you. All right, guys. Teddy Hoover runs freaking worlds, man. Living out there on the eastern shore. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. I know uh, he stays very, very busy with it. I was in talks with him a couple years about 
a couple of years ago to go live stream that thing and it was just I didn't have the time and I know he didn't have the time to waste to to try to convince me so I, I said man you gotta you gotta find somebody that's gonna be there because I, I don't think I'm gonna be able to make it but uh there's a lot of stuff going on it was a very interesting co- conversation if you guys have any comments about the call making competition about any of that type of stuff the calling competition any ideas thoughts feel free to comment on this thing uh reach out holler at teddy like i said i'm an idiot i uh, i make calls out in my garage in my free time between doing these things i'm no world champion call maker caller so i don't want to speak for everybody that does either of those things i just uh want to give my opinion on that type of stuff so reach out share comment um get in on that duck call giveaway tag some friends on that sucker so you can get some extra entries follow us on btbn hit that subscribe button on itunes and uh have yourself a good one